You're listening to Breakaway Wealth, the show designed to help you build wealth faster, think bigger, and break out of the herd. Now, here's your host, Jim Oliver. Before we jump into today's show, we have some exciting news to share with you. Our brand new online community platform is now live. Get access to free on-demand, in-depth training courses on topics like infinite banking, cryptocurrency, real estate investing, and much more. Just go to community.createtailwind.com. That's community.createtailwind.com. Or check out the show notes of this episode to find the direct link to request to join the community. Now, on to the show. Welcome back, Breakaway Wealth. I'm your host, Jim Oliver, and with me today is Brad Costanzo. Costanzo. Did I say it right, Brad? The first time or the second time? Both of them work perfectly, yeah. I usually go by Costanzo. Costanzo, okay, perfect, perfect. So, Brad, welcome to the show. Um, To get started, tell tell us a little bit about you, your background, where you're living now. Just give us a little flavor for Brad. Absolutely. So, I guess in a nutshell, I've had a pretty, like, serial entrepreneur, I've had a pretty varied career, like a lot of us. I live in San Diego now, been here for nine years, moved here after I sold my uh, the first digital online business that I really ever created, I created an info product publishing business uh, back in 2008. I um, ran that until about 2012, sold it, and then sold another little software company that I had. And I, I didn't sell it for like F you, walk away, <laughs> flip the bird to the world money, right. but it was enough to like start over in San Diego. Since then, I have been primarily consulting, doing growth consulting and growth and marketing consulting for businesses that, you know, typically do, you know, let's say one to $20 million in revenue. They're still founder run typically, and they are sometimes at a plateau. Oftentimes they're so busy running the, running the business and putting out fires that they don't get to really focus on the growth anymore. So I help kind of help clear the plate and focus on those dominoes that just get knocked down to make things a little bit you know, easy, more lucrative and fun for them. Uh, Prior to that, I was in the finance business. I was a financial advisor at Prudential Securities for years. The bear market growled a little too big for me. And I got out of that and got into the world of digital marketing. And then since then, I've done everything from angel investing to uh, real estate investing, crypto investing. So I do, like I have a small fund that I manage with, you know, primarily my money and, uh, you know, a couple other close people that, uh, you know, we invest in businesses, alternative investments, et cetera. So, those are really where I kind of spend most of my time. Awesome. You know, I always say when you talk about the business owners, we always say um, they're so busy working in their business that they they never work on their business. And that's it sounds like where you kind of come in and yeah, it is. You know, I was just on talk- their business. Yeah, and I was just talking, for instance, just yesterday to a guy who uh, is likely going to be a client, but you know, he's got a, he's got a really nice size business. And so, and from the outside looking in, it is a really sexy business to be in. And it looks amazing. Like I was like, I want to trade places with you. This looks great. But he was sharing with me that he goes, you know, we've, we've had such growing pains that we're in this place where it's not fun anymore. I'm dealing with conflict. Like I got too many people dealing with conflicting personalities. Everybody's coming to me with their problems. And he said for the first time last quarter, he goes, I was just waking up in the morning, not excited to do the job just wondering what fire I've got to put out, realizing I'm only doing it for the money. And he goes, and this, I used to love this business because I used to be involved in it, in the fun parts and no longer. And how do I, how do I get out of this? So this is one of the, so this is where I step in, not as a growth consultant, 
but some kind of a, sometimes like, I guess there's not a, I don't have a name for this, but like a simplicity coach, like how do I re-simplify all the things that are doing down to their essence and get him back working, you know, on the, on the parts that he loves as opposed to what uh, he hates. And um, so I, I've got a handful of ways that I help people do, you know, that as well. So when the growth gets too crazy, it's, you know, sometimes they just need to get back to basics. Yeah, you know, that's, uh, I always say, you know, I think it was uh, Tom Hopkins way back in the day, uh, you know, sales training, you'd say a champion goes back to the basics at least once a year, right? Absolutely. And, you know, if you think about it, let's say Phil Mickelson or Tiger Woods, they probably know the golf swing as well as anyone, but they still have a coach. And it's not, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not looking for, for, for my coach, I'm not looking for her to, um, no more than me, or, I mean, it, it's really sometimes, like you said, the simplicity of keeping me in the right direction or giving me one, two or three things to focus on over the next week until I meet with her again, those kinds of things. And just that little bit of accountability can, can make a huge difference. And just sometimes just telling somebody, Hey, we need to take action on this. And, um, so, you know, it's interesting. We shared that we were both in the financial services world. Um, I spent 15 years in that world and realized that all of my clients that were the wealthiest clients um, did it in one of two ways, either businesses or uh, real estate. And when I say or real estate, I, I stutter because real estate is a business. And um, so in this show, we really try to focus on helping people learn about how to get in the business, how to grow businesses. Um, and uh, um, so take us back, Brad, when you first started your first business, yeah. you know, what were your fears? What were your hesitancy? How did you get over that? Just, you know, what was your point of pain or anything else you want to share about that? <laughs> you bet. Well, I guess my first business was mowing lawns as a as a, uh, as a kid, my, and my dad really instilled that in me. He's like, you can go get a job, um, and make minimum wage, et cetera, or you can go figure out how to go get clients, et cetera. He was, he, he was really good pushing me on that, but I also was a fairly lazy kid and I, and I had really bad allergies and I grew up in St. Louis. So I hated mowing the lawn. Like, <laughs> all right, dad, I'll do this. But I was out there, I'd become like this congested runny nose mess. But that, so then I would, um, I would call some of my friends, like a, there was a couple of my buddies who um, they didn't have, they needed, they needed work, et cetera. So I would just, I'd get paid, I don't know, 20 bucks a lawn and I'd pay them 10 bucks and I'd sit back. And like, I was being this really uh, resourceful entrepreneur and I was like, no, I was just being lazy. And so when it comes to solving a pain, I wasn't doing it because I wanted to scale this business or whatever. I just, I didn't want to do the work. Um, fast forward to... I did multiple side hustles, I guess, before I actually started my own full-fledged, full-time business uh, when I was a financial advisor. Uh, and then I actually moved into, in about 2002, I moved into uh, an analyst role at Prudential Securities, kind of a more working with financial advisors. And it was a very easy job and I had a lot of free time as you know, to do side hustles. So that's when I first started investing in real estate, but I didn't treat it like a business. I just, I would, I found some houses, I rehabbed them, flipped them. And then I found another role, which was, this was just kind of a business opportunity to co, go do business development for a cost segregation company and cost segregation companies. If you're, you or your people are not familiar, it just helps 
uh, commercial real estate owners and their CPAs accelerate the depreciation of their taxes. But all I had to do was go press the flesh and meet commercial real estate owners and see if they would be willing to do this. So I kind of did this on the side. That was that was a business. I set up an entire entity, et cetera, but I was kind of hustling back and forth between the other two. You know, I added maybe an extra fifty to $100,000 in income. That was great. But then the uh, I kind of got tired of that. And then in 2007, eight, the financial service industry kind of exploded. Uh, my role was eliminated. So I was back out on my own. And the pain was, okay, I am in the financial service space. I'm, I'm over it. I'm burned out. And this is the worst time to go be looking for a new job in financial services because the entire industry was, you know, on fire. At the same time, I had read The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss and talked a lot about building an online business, selling information, selling products, outsourcing, using, you know, overseas virtual assistants. And it really blew my mind. Like, wow, I never even knew this stuff existed. So the pain I was feeling was I either have to go out and get my resume together for the first time in, I don't know, 10 years and go for a job I didn't like. And I, I, I still get anxious thinking about that, like, you know, it's been, I don't know, 12 years, but, um, or I could figure this out and go try to sell information online because this seems a lot easier to do. And I wasn't really chasing this idea of a four hour work week or millions on the internet or anything of that nature. I was, I was running away from going to get another job. And put together a couple, uh, you know, a few information products. And then I uh, partnered up with a couple of friends. We created a small software company to hack the voices in your garment and TomTom GPS to make it sound like a celebrity back before, uh, you know, iPhones were really a big thing and iPhone GPS. And uh, I just kind of like, ever since then, I had my head down and I just started new businesses to, uh, uh, after I, after I got the point where I was making good money at it, I would just start businesses now, not so much out of pain, but out of fun. I was like, well, let's try this. Now let's try that. Let's see if it'll work. And I've started quite a few businesses out of fun that did not work because they were built on the idea of, Hey, this'll be fun. And I was like, forgot, Hey, business can be work too. So that's, uh, that's a little bit of that Genesis story. It kind of like goes back, but it, you know, kind of follows a little progression of side hustle to full-time business owner. Yeah. Well, you know what, what, what stands out to me, one of the things that stands out to me, Brad, when you're talking there is you're thinking about having to go get a job, right. And working a nine to five, so to speak, and all the anxiety that you felt over that. And, you know, um, Tony Robbins always says we're motivated by one of two things, either pain or pleasure. Right. So the pleasure of thinking about the vision of that being a, a business owner probably wasn't as strong as avoiding where I got to go work for somebody else, do what they tell me to do. And, and kind of, in some ways, you know, trade my time for money. And if I'm trading my time for money, then in my, in my time on this earth is my life, then I'm trading my life for money. And that's, uh, um, and then when, when the government is using monetary debasement to make that money not worth anything, then I'm kind of like a financial slave, right? But Absolutely. if I can go start a business and um, that asset grows, and if they keep on inflating money, I can raise my prices. Well, then then I'm free, right? And so um, I think that that's always an interesting fork in the road for people. And I'm glad you chose the, the path less traveled, right? And the road <laughs> yeah, less traveled, too. but... Um, and you know, we're always trading time for money. 
Like always, I, I believe one hundred percent of the time. Uh, like if we're doing anything for work, it's just if you're gonna if you're gonna trade your time for money, try to make a good deal, right? So if you build a business that can ultimately run without you, as we all know, most businesses you're trading a lot of time in the beginning to set it up, and you're sacrificing. Like I've worked harder on my own businesses, harder and more hours than I ever did as an employee, but it, it eventually gets to the time where the trade off like compound interest, right? It starts to pay off and you don't, you know, you front load the, that time, you know, and this is so that on the back end, you can, you can get some of that time back. And that's one of the things whenever I hear some, some people say, well, I don't want to trade my time for money. It's like, well, you always are just make it a good trade, right? Make right. it worthwhile. Well, I think, and I, and I like what you said with that, because the, the making it a good trade is do something you like to do. So, um, you know, when we show people about infinite banking concept and we show people how to take over the banking function in their lives, showing them how to do that and then seeing what they do with it. Again, they just kind of take off and it has a life of its own and everybody uses it differently. I mean, that's fun. And mm -hmm. yeah, we're taking time. And even whether I'm uh, creating a course for our community or a video series or something else, I just did that yesterday. I spent like five hours, uh, you know, recording video well i'm trading that time i'm actually you know uh, that's going to be a, a course that's going to be in our community but it's it's um i'm but it's fun because i feel like i'm taking stuff that i've learned and things that um that i've done by um, and i've got 28 businesses that i've either that i'm either passively invested in um that i'm actively in or on the board or whatever and I started basically the same way, like with you, Brad, as I was get people that would talk to me about their business, I'd have ideas. And then either I would say, hey, let's, uh, uh, you know, let's be partners or, or I'd buy the business or, you know, uh, or, you know, be an investor or I'd loan them money or something like that. Absolutely. So, um, and, you know, sometimes when you loan them money, you really might as well be buying equity because, Sometimes that money doesn't flow back to you the way that you think. Yeah, so, more often than not. Yeah. So, um, uh, so what do you think is the misconception, or what is the noise out there, Brad, about owning a business, or hey, you should get a good job, or you know, what's the noise that hold people back? What What do you find when when you're working with business owners or people that want to be business owners but aren't yet? So the, the one to be like, so what keeps them from taking that step and moving forward mentally, yeah. potentially, you know, I think a lot of it is, um, it's fear, you know, it comes down to fear of the unknown. Um, where am I going to get, you know, what am I going to do? Right. Like that, that's number one. Well, what business would I start? What would be right for me? What would be wrong, et cetera. And then, you know, some people, once they get an idea, okay, this is what I want to do. Like maybe it's a fitness enthusiast who wants to start a gym, right? Let's just use that, you know, as a simple example. And now they think, well, I mean, they, they look at the entire entirety. It's almost like standing at the bottom. Let's say you're going to climb Mount Everest and you can see the peak up top. And then you can maybe see a little bit of a trail, but there's, mul I think there's multiple trails up Mount Everest. I haven't climbed yeah. it. And, um, and you're sitting down at the first base camp. You're like, wow, that is so, such an imposing challenge to do. And they imagine themselves trying to climb up the entire thing and getting lost and getting frozen to death all this stuff because they don't know what they don't know. And realistically, like people who climb up Everest 
or any mountain, I think that, that's big, they they go up from base camp to camp one, to camp two, to camp three. And they don't, and a lot of times I think they go up to camp one and they acclimate there for a while. They don't just go up to one tag, go up to the next. And it's not this easy linear line. Uh, and they also have Sherpas, right? Sherpas who help them. They, they, they guide them. They carry their bags. They, 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 they've been down this road before. So they, or I guess they've been up this road before and they know where the dangers lie and they know where they're not. So I think that a lot of people just look at this overwhelming task of owning and growing a business. I've got to, I've got to set up a business entity. I've got to maybe raise money, maybe not. I've got to hire employees. I've got to do bookkeeping. I've got to do, uh, you know, business taxes. I don't know anything about this stuff. I've never run a business before. And they just get overwhelmed by all of the things that have to be done eventually. Um, and so what I try to do, you know, whether it's with somebody who's trying to get into business or whether it's somebody who's got a business who is also equally overwhelmed by all the things they have to do is treat it like a set of dominoes, right? Like, all right, well, what would, you know, what has to happen? You know, let's maybe reverse engineer it. Somebody needs to give you money. What has to happen in order for them to give you money? Well, you have to, I guess, have a way to collect that money. And then you have to wait, have an offer. And then, you know, you just kind of go backwards. And when you go backwards and reverse engineer it, a lot of times what happens is you get rid of a lot of the, uh, I don't know what the word is, extraneous for these other, other things that you think you have to do. They're not really necessary to get the the uh to get there right like let's not overload you too much and then it starts to become a little bit more uh doable in their mind think okay i can do this if i can just do this i can get to there uh oftentimes depending on what somebody's doing let's say they're trying to sell a service um go sell it first then figure out how to exactly how to deliver it don't worry about getting you know a full entity set up don't worry about all of this other see if you can actually get anybody to buy what you want to sell um or at the same time, I you know I, I just thought of another thing that I coached some people to do, which is uh, create a prototype. So in in the world of design thinking, product design, like I've got a I got a mouse here, right? Logitech high tech mouse. Well, I guarantee that the developers of this or of the Apple Magic Mouse or any uh, other product, they didn't just conceive of a product and then go full out to design the finished product. They would pro they, they design it to solve certain problems. They come up with guesses of how it might best work. And then they create a prototype. And this prototype allows them to test without the full commitment of all resources. So for an example, let's say this same business enthusiast wants to, um, wants to own a gym. Well, as opposed to just quitting their other job, raising money and starting a gym and then winging it, uh, perhaps they could A, this sounds really elementary, go get a job, a side job at a gym. And it's not for the money. It's to see if you can learn a little bit and if you actually like being in a gym 24 hours a day. And maybe you can even help, uh, you know, maybe work for free, intern, offer your advice to somebody or not advice, but offer your help so that you can learn a little bit and see, okay, this is what they're going through. These are the challenges. These are the things I would do different, et cetera. And even if it's part-time, I mean, a lot of business owners would love a part-time kind of apprentice who just wants to learn the system. And it's a way to de-risk, you know, big commitments and big actions. I would give the same advice to an existing business owner who's thinking about expanding or testing something new, like do a prototype do a, an MVP, a minimally viable uh, product or profit center to just test it out first before over committing the resources. 
And what this allows you to do is gather really good data, but it also allows you to avoid heavy, you know, risk-heavy commitments before you're quite ready and you kind of kind of adjust accordingly. So that's probably the advice I would give to both. Oh, that's awesome. You know what I like about your uh, your uh, climbing Mount Everest uh, analogy is, um, and, and this is kind of what you were talking about, is when they were trying to build a bridge over Niagara Gorge back in the mid 1800s, they were trying to figure out how to get the first wire 800 feet without falling two or 300 feet down uh, into the into the uh, canyon, right? Yeah. And, uh, over the waterfall. Um, and so what they did is they had a kite flying contest. So this kid that was like 15 years old, he flew the kite across he got it all the way across, right? So now they had a string all the way across 800 uh, feet. And so then they took another rope that was, you know, a little twine, and then they pulled that across with the string. And then they pulled across a cable, or I mean, a rope, and then a cable. And then eventually, the the thick cables, the 10, you know, gauge cables that they needed, um, uh, you know, with 30 some strands of big cable, they pulled it across because they had something strong enough. But if they wouldn't have started with that string, then they would have never gotten to the cable, right? Um, and that's kind of what you're saying is you make progress and it's the compound effect is what I see, is everybody wants something upfront. They want that successful business, but they don't wanna do all the things to get there. And, um, you know, Neither do I, think, I, by the way. That's a that's yeah. a common thing. Don't think that yeah. that makes you, don't think that that makes you um, unique. Like, oh, I don't, but I don't want to do it. It's like nobody wants to do it. <laughs> right. It doesn't disqualify you from being a good uh, business owner. No, yeah. Um, I don't want to do so, anything. <laughs> Brett, talk about how you, like, uh, like what if somebody's in the audience, they're a business owner, they want to work with you. How, how, how do you engage your potential clients or how do people get your coaching or how would they learn more? So it's a super hyper advanced marketing <laughs> automation uh, configuration whereby most of them email me yeah, and then tell me what they're looking to do. And then yeah. I email them back and we actually engage in a conversation. Very high tech. Communication. What is that? <laughs> Very high tech. Sometimes I even. There's no funnel. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, I've built and had built really elaborate, marketing and sales funnels for clients and other partners and other businesses but with my with mine i i typically i typically have a a referral based business uh and it's also like people that i know they end up finding me they they reach out and they go look you know i, I i've got a i've got a podcast that i host as well called bacon wrapped business yep. sizzling hot business advice guaranteed to make you fat profits i love <laughs> that i love and that and have the full That's subtitle catchy. in there but, um, and, you know, if I have guests on there, I usually ask them, like, what's a nut you're trying to crack? Like, yeah. that's, that's the, like, I'm a nutcracker, I guess you could yeah. say. So I like that. I like to, but I like to figure out, because here's the thing, well, how, how they get in touch with me is, you know, they reach out and I go, I really liked what you had to say. Say, I like the way you kind of approach things and think about things. Maybe you can help me. I cannot help everybody with everything, but I've got a really good you know, set of fundamental principles that can figure out a lot of problems as well as I've got a great Rolodex and network of people. If I can't help you, I know somebody who can. Um, but it all starts with the conversation. And uh, 
I love, I love, you know, solving business challenges. And what I think most business people or even future business people would be surprised to know, as well as this might be um, a good thing to know, is that there's only there's only a handful of actual business goals that any business owner has. And there's only a handful of challenges that everybody has. They're all the same. We all face the exact same stuff. And if it's been solved by one or multiple people before, then there, that means there's a solution. You just have to know if that solution will apply to you or not. But it's not wizardry. It's not magic. It's These are foundational problems that everybody's faced and everybody or a lot of people have solved at one point. Let's just see if these will work for you. So that's that's how I like to work. So give everybody your email address then. Yeah, it's brad at bradcostanzo.com, B-R-A-D-C-O-S-T-A-N-Z-O.com. Best way to go there, there's a contact form or just email me, yeah, brad at bradcostanzo.com. And I'm happy to take a look and see if, you know, give you a second opinion on some of the, either the challenges you're facing or some of the goals you've got. I don't know if I can help, but we'll. I'm happy to find out. So, um, you know, Brad, I, I, I love that, uh, the communication. I think back to uh, Bob Berg, I I emailed him. He wrote The Go-Giver. Yeah. And uh, I just contacted him and said, hey, will you be on my podcast in an email? He said, I'd love to. Um, you're here, coordinate it with my assistant. And and so uh, I love uh, uh, when you talk about no funnels. A friend of mine said, whales don't swim through funnels. And That's so true. Uh, and and I I agree with that. If I, if ever I'm not saying I'm a whale, but if anytime I'm in a funnel, I get out as fast as I can once I realize. But all right, and it so, depends. You know, there's there's different types of funnels, right? But you're absolutely right. Most funnels are designed to catch minnows. Yeah, yeah. Which, yeah, that's not what most businesses are looking for. <clears throat> um, so, um, all right, Brad. So the question I like to ask everybody uh, as we're wrapping up is if God came down from heaven and said that you could only retain the knowledge that you've gotten from one book that you've read, what, what book would you, would you pick? Man, that is such a hard question, especially for a bibliophile like me who loves reading books and, you know, it's like picking a favorite child. Right. But, yeah. um, you know, the book, I was thinking the book that made the biggest impact that was the biggest catalyst was what I mentioned, the four hour work week, right? I can't yeah. say for sure that that would be the one that I want to retain all the information from, you know, it would, it would probably be a book that I hate the title. Cause it, I think it cheapens the information in the title, but it's probably one of my most highlighted books, which is um, the millionaire master plan by Roger Hamilton. I don't Have you ever, have you ever heard of this book? Yeah. Yeah. Have you read it? I have. Oh, good. So one of the things I loved about that book is it's very interactive. You take a, you take a quiz that kind of helps determine your, I guess, personality type or wealth profile, like how you generate wealth and how you create, um, and how you create uh, value for people. And then, you know, one of the things we talked about is like climbing Mount Everest. He has his, his lighthouse, which is almost like a ladder of steps that you have to go through. So depending on what level you're at in life and your career and your tendencies for adding value, this is how you should start and do these three things before you try to move up the ladder. And for me, when I read that, it was a very like glass of 
cold water after walking to the desert going, oh, okay, this really simplifies things down to just, just do these things. So once more, I'm a big fan of simplicity. So I think when it comes to business and career, that would be it. Uh, I'm not sure what the book would be if it was just in general, non-career. I think, you know, there was a book I read years ago that I loved uh, called Conversations with God by Neil Donald Walsh, which um, really book. kind of, have you heard of that or read that book? Yeah. Yeah. Great Loved book. Love that. Yep. It just, it was, it was one book that really brought the nature of what I think reality is to the most simple, like, ah, oh, I actually really like that. And there's a lot of things I can use in that. Um, so I think maybe those are the two business and non-business. I'll give you one just based on what you said there, a couple of things. That's a, a book that I'm I'm reading right now and a guest uh, recommended and I didn't even, I mean, uh, I'm still not sure I get the whole concept of the book, okay? Yeah. Even if this, I haven't looked up to even see if this guy's real, okay? So I probably shouldn't put that in the show, but it's the Almanac of uh, Naval Ravikant. Ravikant, amazing. Yeah. Naval is yeah. an absolute wizard i i read yeah. his tweets constantly yeah. his it, it it it's actually painful at how poignant and wise his yeah. navalisms are I'm, I'm really good friends with his brother kamal uh, i've never met naval but i uh, would love to someday i would love to have him on my show because i'll tell you one thing i really like about him and people give me a hard time about this and he and he and he uh and he made it uh okay is uh somebody will say jim did you read that book and i say yes and they say, did you read it from cover to cover? Oh, no, I don't, I rarely read any book cover to cover, right? In some books, you read two or three chapters. He says this in his book, you read two or three chapters and you're like, okay, I got it. I don't need to read the rest of it. I don't need to read, you know, just, I've got the concept. And 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 I do that a lot. And the other thing he said- Like, yeah, it's is, okay to quit reading a book. You don't, you're not yeah. obligated to finish it. Yeah, and- you probably would be better off just reading the best books that you've ever read over and over and over again. Absolutely. And, and, and you know, so one of the books that we um, promote a lot is Nelson Nash, Becoming Your Own Banker. And that, that's changed my life. It's a 92 page book. Um, but, you know, I read it, it, I don't know how many times a year. I mean, at least 10 times a year. And, and it's not from cover to cover, but it's this chapter, this chapter. I just did a course on becoming your own banker, going through this book and explaining how Nelson explained it to me one-on-one. -on -one. And um, I could do that every year and I would just learn something every time I do it. So yeah. um, I love I love the books that you mentioned and uh, we're gonna put those in the show notes. We're gonna put your email in the show notes and uh, Brad, I can't thank you enough for being on. And uh, we're gonna wrap this up like we always do audience with the timeless words of Earl Nightingale. Take it away, Earl. Here's the key to success and the key to failure. We become what we think about. Now let me say that again. We become what we think about. Once again, thank you so much for taking the time to hear what was shared on today's podcast. If you are looking to discover new wealth building strategies, then go to community.createtailwind.com. That's community.createtailwind.com to join our free online community and get access to free courses and in-depth training videos designed to help you build wealth and break away from the herd. Click the link in the show notes to access the community today. Thanks again for listening.